everybody welcome back to another episode of oh shoot we've got a guest on today's podcast episode we have madison Hare here um she also goes by maddie so maddie madison um i'm super excited to chat with her she is an expert in the field and we've just we're gonna be talking about some good stuff today so maddie go ahead say hi to everyone give everybody the lowdown on who you are and just kind of a little intro Hey y'all, I'm Madison. Um, I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Um, and thank you so much for saying that I'm an expert in the field. Um, I, and sorry, what was the question? (laughs) Literally just introduce yourself. That's it. Perfect. (laughs) I'm a Southern California wedding photographer and I think that's it. Awesome. So what do you, you shoot weddings, right? Mm -hmm. Do you do anything else besides weddings? Um, no, not really. Um, I am an educator, so I do focus on education, but my main focus is, um, weddings. Okay. Awesome. And it's funny. Cause I asked, I was like, Oh, you shoot weddings. You literally said like two seconds before that, that you're a Southern <laughs> California wedding photographer. So awesome. All good. It's all good. My listening ears are on right now. Apparently. Same. I'm just, yeah, <laughs> not. I get it's okay. It. Um, so take me back to how you started your business. I want to hear about like how it all got started and just tell me your like business origin story. Totally. Um, well, I never, I mean, like pretty much anyone I feel like in the industry, like never really planned on being a wedding photographer, let alone a photographer, let alone like a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how it started for me was like on the, uh, like, diving like into the deep end like someone was like hey we need a wedding photographer our wedding photographer bailed two days before a wedding and I was like had like a Nikon like gosh like a D5800 or something crazy where it was like not a full frame didn't even know what like automatic set or manual settings were automatic was like my best friend and um I shot this wedding and then that was like the um starting point for me, I just began to shoot more and more weddings, obviously not intending to, but it just became, um, just a passion and a love for me, but then, um, COVID hit. And so uh, weddings were like no more. And so, um, I had like panicked and thought, Oh my gosh, what? Like, like we all did, you know, we were all like, okay, we are wedding and event photographers, but like weddings are not happening. So a switch pivot and, um, started shooting elopements because people were choosing to do elopements rather than weddings and fell in love with weddings and elopements and all things couples. So that's where the spark came, um, for like full time into being a wedding photographer rather than, you know, doing it part-time with doing all of the other jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I maxed out in the area that I was in with doing the most amount of money weddings and then also charging the most that I could. And so that's where Southern California came in. And I moved there from um, a town in Washington, moved to Southern California and became a luxury wedding photographer, which is kind of crazy to think about that that happened and like the switches and the moves that have happened in the last three years. But that's Mm -hmm. what's led me to this point now. 
Cool. So did you know anyone in Southern California? Like, was there anything else that drew you there besides just like, I want to shoot more luxurious weddings? Yeah. Um, I had a few friends. I had two friends that moved from the same area in Washington that I was in. Um, but other than that, no. Um, and I didn't, I think I had like five weddings. Like I was very, so still immersed in my Washington weddings. And I was like, okay, like hoping and praying on this dream to fully immerse myself into the Southern California market and very quickly became immersed in it and haven't looked back since. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's amazing how your location really does impact how much you can charge. Totally. Yeah. I just feel like sometimes people like they, they feel like, oh, I'm charging too much. Like no one's booking me. Like I'm a bad photographer. But like in reality, it literally could be you're just not in the right place. And like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but you are going to have to either lower your prices or move somewhere else. Because like literally there are just like certain areas where people just aren't going to pay like luxury prices. Yeah. Yeah. And I maxed out at 4,500. Like once I took the jump to 5,000, I was like not even getting responses back, which Mm -hmm. I knew could either make or break the business for me. And so I was like, okay, so we're making the move. We're going all in. We're trusting God in the process and everything that goes with that. And it could have sank or it could have swam, but it it definitely swam. So um, yeah, I think that's something that I like talk about a lot in like education that I do is like your location and where you're like selling your services has a lot to do with how much you're booking, how much revenue that you're making. And so, um, if your dream or or like a goal of yours is to become a destination wedding photographer, you can get to the luxury photographer, um, caliber way faster because you're not only selecting yourself to the area and the location where you're at, but you're, opening up a whole new horizon for yourself where you can literally charge, you know, six, seven, eight grand for doing the same packaging where you were in your small town. You're literally spreading your wings and being able to fly, which there's more stresses and there's more um, leveling up, if you will, with being a destination wedding photographer. You really have to have your ducks in a row, but um, I definitely think it's worth it in the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a good encouragement for people that maybe don't want to just like move to Southern California. You know, they Mm want to stay where they are. Like just knowing that maybe destinations are another option in order to increase your revenue and, you know, get into a little bit of a more luxurious market than Mm -hmm. you are in your current small town. And another thing too, with like specifically like really small towns, like sometimes the vibes just aren't there for venues <laughs> and like it like there's nothing you can do unless you decide no. to open a venue yourself like yeah. there's really nothing you can do to change that like it's just like sometimes you just don't have the opportunity to expand your portfolio yeah. to get more of those lu- luxury weddings that you want because like literally it's not an option where you live like people yeah. don't they they just don't invest yeah. in a wedding like that Absolutely. Or the wedding vendors that are like you would be booked with like a videographer or a venue or um, maybe even down to catering. They're not even charging enough to where you look absolutely crazy for charging what you charge. You're like, wow, like they charge a thousand dollars for, you know, a 
a hundred person banquet, whatever, you know, for catering or even a venue, they charge 3000. And then they're like, oh, wow, we can get our catering, our vendor and our, um, I don't know, something else, throw something else in there for 5,000 and you're charging 5,000 alone. But the person next, you know, down the street is charging, um, 2,500 for a package. Like we're going to go with them because we also don't like maybe see the value in, um, hiring a, like an experienced photographer. We, we just don't know different. And I think that's a part of it too, is people don't know what they don't know because they've never seen anything different. So. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your, I guess, first like luxury wedding. So how did you get started? I know you said you moved to Southern California, but like yeah. at that point, how did you get started in like the luxury yeah. market? Yeah. And something you'll learn about luxury too, just along the process is these people are getting married within three months of getting engaged. Like that okay. is a common story where I've like, so I, it was literally me being available. Like really. Me, um, so with, so there's this whole system behind it, right? You charge enough to where you do less events, but make the same amount of revenue. Like there's a, there's a period obviously where, you know, there's a lull, but ultimately when you're available, that's actually um, part of the luxuriousness is that you're available for their date rather than, you know, sending an associate or whatever. So this couple, they had, um, they were actually going to get married in Greece. Um, but last minute with COVID, all of their family couldn't come. And so they got married at um, Hotel Del Coronado, which is um, a very um, luxurious hotel, very iconic. Um, and I had been one of the photographers that they had reached out to. And this is actually why I think there's so much, um, system to what I do, but I had actually got them on a follow-up. So I had followed up with them multiple different times. Um, and that's how they ended up booking me and finding me a, because I was available, but B my follow-up game was so good. Um, but anyways, they had decided they were going to get married in three months. And so with that, they picked a prime Saturday, whatever Saturday was available, last minute cancellation on in hotel Del Coronado. Um, and I just so happened to be the person that a followed up with them and B was available. Um, I hadn't shot in a luxury wedding and shot in very, you know, like very high caliber weddings, but not to a point of like a luxury wedding. And they quite literally took a chance on me because I was available. Mm -hmm. So Okay. So you said a few things I want to recap on. <laughs> I'm yeah. literally over here like <laughs> things I didn't know. So the first thing you said about literally just being available, mm -hmm. I guess like it's such a common mentality to think like, oh, I got an inquiry for like next April. Yeah. April's not super busy for me, but they're not like I'm I'm a little over their budget. Do yeah. I compromise and just book them because I'm afraid nothing else is gonna come in? Or do I keep it available and wait for someone that is actually willing to pay what I charge? And I really like the idea of like like the right client is going to book you if you're available and they're going to book you at the right price. And I feel like a lot of the times we kind of compromise and we just book something just because we got an inquiry, but they're not like actually like we compromise in some way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, yeah. I just feel like that really hit home for me. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like I'm not available enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned the lesson the hard way this year. I had booked a wedding date this summer and so I was like, you know, I'll just book it. I don't have anything else. Like I didn't necessarily, um, or sorry, this was previous, not this summer, this last summer. I, I was, um, 
just thinking to myself, oh, you know, I'll book it. Like, I think it'll be great. Maybe not being the best fit for them. Um, and I think we all do that in our career, right? You just said that you did, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had five inquiries for that exact date after and they were luxury events and I was a better fit for them than the first person and I think um there's this culture or not culture but there's this stigma maybe in weddings that like you know you shouldn't have an ideal market you shouldn't have an ideal client tell and I do think that you should because you serve them better um and so I think that just goes with like being available like you know what I'm going to refer you out to the next person that I think is to my caliber or, you know, in the same realm, um, refer it out to them. And then on the backside, they're going to be like, oh, Maddie referred me to this person. They booked me. I'm going to refer Maddie because now I've, um, you know, she's given me a, a, like a lead. I'm going to give her a lead now. It's just kind of this whole vicious cycle of like good karma, not vicious, mm-hmm. I guess, because it's good. But do you get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of my friends has this system that she does and she bases it off of how many weddings she has booked. So let's say for 2024, she has like four weddings booked. If she has under five weddings booked, she has a checklist. Okay. Let me back up. She has a checklist of 10 like uh requirements of like an ideal client so she wrote out 10 things right and then if she has less than five weddings booked those clients just have to meet seven of those requirements but if she has more than five weddings booked they have to meet nine to ten of them um which i think is such a good way of thinking about it because you know, you do kind of want to get those first few weddings on in the yeah, books and like, totally. that's fine. Like we, we get it. Like you want, you just need to be able to maintain living. So yeah, book your first five, 10 weddings, whatever, however many weddings you book, book totally. like half of them with like a little bit less of a requirement. Yeah. But then as you start to book up, they really do need to hit those requirements in order yeah. to like book. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think that, um, I've never thought of it that way. So like, uh, implementing that tomorrow, literally, she just told me this yesterday and I was like, I am doing that. It's so smart. We need to like debrief the whole process. What are your 10 requirements? Like get me on this train. I want to be like in the thick of that. Yeah, literally. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So, um, the other thing I wanted to circle back on is your follow-up. So do you like, what is that like system? Like what's your uh, secret sauce to that? Yeah. There's so much like psychology that goes into following up and I break it down to being unique. Um, 10, seven out of 10 people will just not follow up with people because they're afraid of rejection or looking too needy or whatever. But if they're a no, they're a no. And you following up doesn't matter. Like it, like you're never going to talk to them again. Maybe you guys, you know, follow each other. You'll have to still follow them, whatever. But three times out of 10, you will be one of the only photographers following up. So maybe they meet with another photographer and it's just not the right fit. Maybe they, you know, it's not the right fit. You are the first person in their frame of mind now because you followed up with them. Um, And yeah, I've had a few different weddings that have been really incredible weddings because I've been the master of the follow-up. And I think some of that just has to do with you being that 3% of people, or sorry, I guess 30%, 30% of people that like cares enough to show them that you're excited about their wedding. You want to answer any questions that they have, yada, yada, yada. Um, 
And some people need that validation in order for them to feel, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like not having buyer's remorse. They need to know that like, you're just as excited as they are in order to like seal the deal. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I really like that. that answered your question. Yes, it did. I think following up is so important. I've booked weddings from following up as well. Like I feel like today and like the way that just like our generation is like we need follow-ups because there's just so many people trying to contact us all the time. Like we're getting emails all the time. We're getting texts, we're getting Mm -hmm. Snapchats, DMS, like it's just a lot. So if you are able to like, just do like a friendly nudge, like sometimes Mm -hmm. that's all people need because they Mm -hmm. just, we're just getting bombarded all day, every day with just notifications and it's just overwhelming. And then think about planning a wedding on top of notifications that you're getting all the time. Like, it really does just help to just be like, Hey, remember me? Like I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And again, you have nothing to lose. And if you don't, you're leaving money on the table. Yeah. That's facts. And we, we like our bag. We, we get our bag. Queen's (laughs) got to get that bag girl. Got to get that bag. (laughs) Yes. Most photographers spend the majority of their time stuck behind the computer. They're editing, they're culling, but they're not focusing on growing their business and giving their clients an amazing experience. Even if you've introduced new AI workflows before, most photographers are still spending their limited time on tasks that don't grow their business. Well, today, I want to introduce you to PostPartner. Unlike other photo editing companies, PostPartner is designed to partner with you for the long term as you grow your business. In addition to their premium editing service, PostPartner recently launched hybrid AI editing. With hybrid AI editing, you get paired up with a personal editor that learns your style and leverages AI tools to deliver you client-ready images for only 19 cents per image. Not to mention, every single photo is reviewed and adjusted for consistency by PostPartner's team of photographers turned editors. PostPartner is based in Vancouver, Canada, and they want you to have confidence in the quality of the images that you're delivering to your clients. If you want to get more time to invest back into your business, head on over to postpartner.com slash shoot and use the coupon code shoot to receive $200 towards your first editing order. Go check them out. Um, so I wanted to ask you, since we're talking about like luxury weddings, what is like the difference between luxury and like a normal wedding? If you could just yeah, kind of totally. break it down for us. Totally. Um, the biggest difference that I see is intentionality with the details, with the date, with not even the date, but like the venue. Everything is so very intentional. Um, I don't know, just like details down to like, you know, they have a napkin that has their dog on it and it has their date. Like things like that where it's like they think about the details, they have a planner, they have um, – there's just so much, but yeah, I think intentionality is the biggest difference, but like, even just like, I heard a different podcaster talking about this. Um, it's like literally down to like the silverware that they choose, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. there's a certain type of silverware that's for luxury events. Right. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. And I, I guess like part of it probably has to do with like the budget as well. Like, Oh yeah. Sorry. Definitely. Oh yeah. I just was like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cause as you increase your budget, you are able to focus more on those details. Mm -hmm. And I feel like having a planner and say like saying like, I, this day is so important to me that I want someone who is an expert to be able to plan this for me. Like that full service planner. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like that does show like that you are being intentional with your day. So Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's just so many details that 
are way more intentional. Mm -hmm. So that is the wedding itself. But now let's talk about you as a photographer. What turns you from a normal photographer into a luxury photographer? Like what's different about your photography? Well, first off, how much time do you have? Because I could go on for on and on and on, but I will summarize. Um, (laughs) We have about 30 minutes. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Um, Gosh, there's so much, but I think it's your systems. I truly think it's the experience that you provide for your client. Um, That is why having an intentional amount of weddings that you take per year is so important. So I think as you become... Um, you get into luxury, you realize that you cannot do this every single weekend because your brain is going a million miles, even faster than a normal wedding. Like there's so much detail, there's so much intention, there's so much, um, like timeline integrity, like there's just so much. And so I think the difference is your systems. Um, so before, you know, I would hire a second photographer and I would just give them a little debrief before wouldn't go too much detail into things. But like when you're hiring your team, you have to be able to trust that you can send them off with the client and they're going to show up professionally. They're going to show up a skill level. Um, they're going to show up in every sort of facet as a lead photographer. I mean, obviously they're going to be a second, but in that moment, being a second, they're acting as your hand. And so I think that's a big difference too, is like, you have to be able to trust these people that you bring in there that aren't going to show up for themselves and are showing up to represent your business, which I think a lot, it depends on the second photographer, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but you're giving them like, for me, I've had to like completely change my mindset is like, Um, I'm willing to pay a little bit more to hire somebody who has the experience. Um, So even just like paying them more um, to give them a little bit more rain and a little bit more leash, but I'm setting up the systems for them. These are the shots specifically giving a mood board, giving them a checklist. Like you need to get these different shots while you're with the groom or wherever. Um, And like, this is the overall vibe I'm going for. So there's no question whether or not a shot wasn't got or was got kind of a thing. Um, And setting them up for success, whether that's, you know, expectations, like settings that you're asking them to do that are different. Like, I just think there's a whole different caliber that you're asking them to do, which, you know, you have to hire the right team for, and you have to pay a little bit of more money for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then in your packages, would you say that like, there's anything in your packages that makes it a little bit different than yeah. a normal wedding. Yeah, totally. I think you're you're just offering more of more or less what whichever you know you decide of yourself. Um so for example, like I'm usually for a luxury wedding, I'm doing 12 hours. Like no no questions asked. But I think something that I've had to do that's different is I've had to make my offer unique. And that can be a multitude of things, whether you offer, you know, drone footage, you offer um, like a custom mood board or like film or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you are able to um, offer something that maybe the next photographer is just offering a coverage, but you're offering an experience. Um, And that's what the luxury in the luxury market they're looking for people who um, they can tap into for like a resource on something. Maybe you're offering a wedding weekend package rather than just a day coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kind of like, or even just like something that I've learned is you actually have to be at a certain price 
minimum because they're looking at your offerings and your pricing and things like that. And they're like, okay, why is she charging $3,000? Are we going to get 3,000? Are we going to get $3,000 worth of like, people don't understand that like, um, or like photographers don't understand that your pricing actually can be a deterrent if people are wanting to spend, if they have a $10,000 budget, they're like, no, we want to spend that much. We know that the person who we're investing in, if they're $10,000, they're clearly worth it. So mm-hmm. I think there's also some, um, psychology behind that your pricing too. Yeah, no, that's really good. I, I really like hearing you say that you do 12 hours, like actually kind of shocked me a little bit because that's a really long day. But then like, I feel like when I think of like, oh, I'm charging, you know, let's say 10 grand for a wedding. Like, I feel like people think that the 10 grand is just for like, like you as a photographer, like they're not like the packages are all staying the same, but it's just like, they're paying more for you. But literally if they're paying 10 grand, they want photos from like the beginning of the day to the end of the day, you know? And I think a lot of the time, yes, exactly. And like, they, like you think like, Oh, luxury just means like table decor or whatever. Like it's Mm -mm. just fancier, but it it really means you have to put in more work, Mm -hmm. like with all of it, the details with, um, the shots and like, I don't know, being open to communicating with them, but also just being there for a very long time. Yes. <laughs> like that is a very long time to be at a wedding. Yeah. And committing to getting there the day before to get your drone set up so that you can get drone footage of mm-hmm. the things you're offering something that nobody else is offering and you just have to stand out. So yeah. 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 I really 12 hours really is like a long that. day. Yeah. It's really long. But also <laughs> you have a team that's like assisting you. So it actually, you f- it does, it is a long day at the end of the day. I'm like beat, but also like mm-hmm. you, the onus isn't on you as much, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So you mentioned like earlier that you, like there's a lot of detail that goes into it, like mm-hmm. in the timeline and just like in the shots, whatever, like what do you do in your client process that helps you gather those details? Are you doing phone calls, questionnaires? Yeah, like how do you it. find, find out that information? <laughs> yeah. First of all, the planner and I are very much so in contact about every single detail. I'm asking the planner, if there's any detail that you can share with me budget wise that they're spending maybe five grand on a um, bar setup. Okay. So let's talk about it. So like where is this going to be? How can I set up my second photographer? Cause it's happening during cocktail hour, whatever. This is just an example. Um, but like you're setting the expectation and you're reaching out to these vendors. Maybe it's a forest you're hearing. Okay. So they have a $50,000 budget for florals. Okay. Where's that money going? Like, how can I set up my team with a realistic expectation and timeline to make sure that they're going to capture that aisle that costs them $30,000, like Mm -hmm. quite literally. So, um, I think that part of it is just like intentionally seeking the, um, information that you need to seek. Or like, even if that's like, you know, that they're doing like a catered plated meal, you're, you're, instead of you going to dinner, which sucks, you're staying so you can get the pictures of the food that quite literally probably costed them 50 to $75,000, but mm-hmm. you're understanding where, and having transparency with vendors being like, what is the most important thing that they have planned? Give me the details of like, 
not, I don't, I think there's a tactful way to go about it too. I don't think you're saying where are they spending their money, but like, how can I best make sure to capture the details that they're spending the most money on so Mm -hmm. that, because you're a vessel at the end of the day, you are a vessel for them to, for the documentation, the preservation of their day. Um, and so you just want to be able to capture everything and leave no detail unphotographed, if you will. Mm-hmm. So just setting up those systems, reaching out to um, planners, florists. And that's a good touch point as well. Like you want to be good with planners. You want to have a good um, rapport with them. You want to make sure that they feel like they're seen and heard because they're the people that's doing, they're the people that are doing the hard work behind the scenes. You want to make sure that they also feel like you care about the details that they've been planning as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure as a planner, like you get so attached to like these certain things and it's, you know, you get to see these things come to life and ultimately planners are a really good contact to, to have for booking because like the order of events for you get engaged and honestly, you might just go with a planner right away because the planner is going to help you get the venue photographer, blah, 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 blah. They're going to like help you get all those vendors potentially. So mm-hmm. having that planner contact and just making sure you're on good terms with them is an A plus tip. I love it. Let's talk about outsourcing your editing. The editors at Batch AI offer a 72-hour turnaround for all of your culling, editing, and retouching needs. They have an expert team of editors on call to bring your style, tone, and vision to life. We're talking fast turnaround time, precision edits, A-plus customer service, and no minimum requirements. We've literally all been there. Sometimes you just don't have time to edit through your photos. You have life happening. There's other things going on. So Batch AI is the perfect solution for you. You'll be guided through a series of walkthrough videos and have access to a custom dashboard for uploading, monitoring, and downloading all of your projects for a seamless outsourcing experience. Oshoot listeners can use the code CassidyLynnPhoto for 20% off. Join the Batch AI family today and get back what you love most. Edit less and live more. So let's kind of flip (laughs) Uno reverse and let's talk about like people listening and how they can get into the market. So what would you say are some tips and like things that someone listening can do to like help them be equipped to get into the luxury market? Yeah. Um, I think just like awareness of your business and your schedule. Um, so if you have a wedding that's coming up and you know, it's going to be a little bit different than the others intentionality wise, budget wise, um, venue wise, you're going 500% all steam ahead towards that wedding, hiring an assistant, hiring a second photographer, hiring someone to help you with getting drone footage, whatever it is, you're going full steam ahead. You're taking the investment that they've made, um, and pretty much investing that entire package right back into the experience for their wedding. Because a, um, the preservation that you are having with the photos, you are able to turn around and market it like a million times so that other people are seeing that you're able to shoot these weddings with high um, budget at the de- in um, honoring the details that are there. Mm-hmm. So I think your marketing is probably the biggest thing. Um, I think people discount marketing, but it's quite literally how I've gotten every single one of my um, high-end weddings. Um, and so if having a growth mindset with it, I think is what will change it. Um, having a, okay, if this is the biggest wedding of the year that I have, maybe it's a florist that you know that really is an amazing florist or the planner you know gives amazing tablescape or flat lays or you just know that there's going to be one wedding where you can invest 
um, more resources into, or you stay a few hours later, or you come a few hours earlier, setting yourself up to capture that wedding even more than you would like in a normal wedding going all out, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to get more weddings with your marketing, um, with your marketing of it. Cause you're showing people what you can do. Cause ultimately like people are hiring a luxury wedding vendor because they've seen what they can do. Mm-hmm. You just have to get someone to invest into you in the beginning. And that just might be some, a, you being available for when they do reach out. So setting up your systems before where you're like taking on less, but being able to accept last minute more. I think you just really truly have to, um, go into it knowing that the investment that you make, you can in turn make a mil- you know, a million, like not a million, but like that'll attract other people who will be w- willing to invest if you mm-hmm. just kind of are able to set yourself up for success. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do not want a million clients. That would actually <laughs> yeah, be. Bye. <laughs> bye. That would be horrible. Um, yeah. so, so you mentioned a little bit about you getting all of your, well, all of your bookings for marketing. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask then about your social media. Um, how do you think your social media has impacted you being able to book luxury weddings? Yeah, I think my social media has gained or my social media has, um, almost just set people at ease of like, okay, like I see that she's done multiple different events or, um, even just like a, like a reputation, if you will. I think it's yeah. just like another touch point for somebody to be like, okay, yeah, I feel set at ease maybe because I've seen her talk on her stories or like I see who she is at the end of the day and I feel mm-hmm. comfortable and confident investing into her. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I don't think it has really, I think followers sometimes impact things. Like mm-hmm. that's just how we are like as humans. But I think at the end of the day, like like you said, it's more just like feeling at ease like you can trust them um yeah and I feel like as photographers we're like the one vendor that really it's like Mm -hmm. person to person so people really want to make sure like that you're vibing and that they can trust you um so showing up on social media is huge like posting wise like you said talking on your stories like you don't have to have a million followers you could literally have 20 but it's just like the the concept behind it of just like being present. Yeah. Yeah. And being transparent. Like you don't, of course you don't need to talk about like the biggest, you know, downfall you've ever had in your business, but also just being like, yeah, like I, I don't know. I was listening to a podcast and she's like, was talking about how like transparency and like being a real person actually translates really well with the buyer. Um, because they feel like they can relate to you. It's kind of like when people on social media, like Alex Earl was talking about how like she became big because she showed up and like was like a shit show. Like she would make her perfect posts and would like make all of her TikToks make virtually look perfect. And then she's like, no, when I started sharing about my acne, that was when people actually could relate with me or, um, she like what actually made her famous was that she broke up with her boyfriend because he wouldn't post about her on um, Instagram. And like, it was so relatable because so many girls go through that where they're like, okay, bye. You can't post me on Instagram. You suck. And so people could relate with her. And so I think Mm -hmm. in that same breath with, with professionalism, obviously, but also (laughs) like a level, cause I've seen some people on there where I'm like, okay, come on. Like, this is not your vlog. diary, whatever. But just, I think there's a healthy balance what you can 
make out of it. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I love that you just cited Alex Earl because she yeah. is like the definition of like just blew up super quickly, but has like a lot of loyal um loyal. Yeah, like a loyal community. And I think it yeah, it started with just being a relatable person and being consistent. I mean, that is a huge thing for her. She was posting like multiple times a day and it was the same thing but like that kind of becomes like a a comfort zone for people like it's a comfort to see the same creator posting like kind of a similar thing you've already watched but it's a little bit different like that's actually like a comforting thing and you know totally it helps yeah totally we're on a little bit of a uh, rabbit rabbit trail. Rabbit trail. I was supposed yeah. to say rabbit hole. I think that's what it is. No, really? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Actually, bunny trail. I don't know. So uh, anyway, yeah, we're off, but we'll come back. Um, we're back. So yes, we're dialing in. Um, I have a question for your past self. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you could like go back in time, what advice would you give yourself when you were first starting out? gosh, I think pick your battles. Like there's going to be so much that knocks you down. There's going to be so much mentally. There's going to be so much physically. There's going to be so much pick your battles. Um, not everything needs to be the biggest defeat. Not everything needs to be a lesson, but when you are, when you do have a failure, learn it, take it as a lesson, um, and use that to propel you to, um, growing your inner self. Mm Mm-hmm. That reminds me of another question that I wanted to ask you. It's not serious, though. Um, Like, this is, like, a silly, goofy question. Do you have, like, a crazy story from a wedding that you want to share? Like, something absolutely insane that happened to you or to someone else? Yes, always, right? Like, always. Oh, yeah. I have, like, a Um, new story every weekend, I feel like. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I do. I mean, it's not crazy, but, like, I'll just say that it – I mean, it is – um, I was taking family photos and there's a lot of drama in family photos. Like I did not realize that like, um, this happens so much where like, there are like families that literally cannot be in a photo together, which is crazy to me just to think about because I don't have that. I can't relate, but obviously I understand that like, okay, I want to honor you in that. But, um, <laughs> I, was not prepped well enough for this conversation. And so I was doing family photos and the parents were separated, divorced. And I did not know that they had like so much crazy, like animosity towards each other, but they did. And I had put the mom and the stepmom next to each other. And, um, what had happened was they apparently don't get along, like really genuinely hate each other. I had yeah, I mean, whatever. I ask, I ask those questions, but they maybe just didn't relay it on. And so I was like, okay, so I can see that the dad and the mom, the mom's not married, but the dad is remarried. Like, I'm just going to do just the parents without like the, their wife or whatever. And so I do the photo and the mom walks up to me, the um, mom walks up to me and is like, oh my God, thank you so much for getting that bitch out of the photo. And it's like yelling, yeah, like yelling in front of everybody. So glad that you're on my side about it. And I'm like, wait, what is going on here? I'm like, I had no idea that you guys didn't like each other. I had no idea that there was animosity. And everybody just looks at me and they're like, 
everybody's jaw was on the floor because they like couldn't believe that like they thought that I was like on her side but then anyways and so it's not that crazy but no that's that's pretty bad because it just puts you in a, in a bad position yeah like, you have no idea how quickly I would have texted Charlie but like you'll never believe what just happened to me at this session like that that is horrible and I feel like family circumstances like when I have in my questionnaire, like, are there any family circumstances? I almost feel like I need to put, like, give me the tea because I actually, like, need to know the tea. Otherwise, like, I will put random people by each other. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just yeah. At that same wedding, they had walked down the aisle. It was like, woo, everybody was excited for them. And they, they like, kissed. And that same mom was like, oh, that's enough kissing. I'm tired of seeing kissing. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so. Goodbye. Mm, interesting. Okay. So maybe it's just a sour, you just got a sour yeah. client. <laughs> yeah. But um, I had this thing happen to me actually this past weekend. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll say, it. I was like, maybe I should not say this past weekend, but it's whatever. Um, I was shooting a wedding and like, I was trying to get my food, you know, and eat so I could like keep, you know, shooting. And so like, all the guests get their food, whatever. And I finally get my food. And so I'm like, yes, I'm going to eat. Like the next thing is dances, but like, you know, I'll just eat really quickly. I literally sit down and the reception was on a boat. So like the reception's on the bottom and then the only seating that was extra was up top. So I had to go up top to eat. So I was like up there, literally cut into my chicken. And I hear the DJ say, all right, let's get the bride and the father on the dance floor for first dances. And I literally was like, I am upstairs eating my chicken. Like, like it's fine if it's in the middle, like, but like, I literally was like, I ran down the stairs. I like threw my chicken in the warmer and I was like, you will, I will be back for you. And and it was so awkward because to get my camera, I had to like run across the dance floor. And so like everyone saw me and like, oh, it was so bad. Um, And that's just this past weekend. Can we get a petition for DJs to come up to us and ask us if the timing is correct? Can we get like yeah. a petition? Yeah. Please, DJs, come up to us and ask us if it is okay that you start it without asking. Right. Like, yeah, I feel like especially with big stuff like that, like entrances, speeches, dances, like everything else. Well, cake cutting. I guess that's everything that they do. So yeah. basically, yeah, get the photographer's approval before you just yeah. go off and start. Well, can you imagine if you didn't? capture that moment right and like you didn't hear it yeah I kind of felt like it wouldn't have been my fault like low-key but whatever um okay I wanted to ask you a few marketing questions just to like wrap it up so I guess like just looking at your social media your social media queen we love to see it what are some social media strategies that you've been using that help you book more clients yeah um reels are not dead just keep going y'all like do reels. I have so much success in that. That's where all my success comes from. I swear to God. Um, because people find me through these reels and then they find my page. So definitely just be consistent. That's all I say is just be consistent with stories or posts or reels. Just like stay constant. You will be so surprised. Like I I feel like I have people who like ask me, what's the secret? And I'm like, consistency, one Mm -hmm. piece of advice, consistency. Yeah, totally. I feel like sometimes when people are, so like sometimes people will be consistent and they're like, okay, nothing's working for me. 
And then at that point, it's a matter of content, you know, like it's one or the other. Like if you're consistently posting content that's not performing well, Mm -hmm. like then it's a problem with the content. But if you're like not you have great content, but you're not posting consistently, then it's Mm -hmm. like consistency is, is the problem, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And taking inventory of like, okay, what's working, what's not, because something has to perform better than the others and go with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Something that I've been working on lately is not being as big of a perfectionist. And I think the the videos that I just post on a whim, like always do better than like the videos that I spent, like, you know, 30 minutes doing a voiceover for, like, I feel like you Mm -hmm. just kind of have to like, you kind of have to take a risk on yourself. Be yeah. willing to embarrass yourself a little bit. Oh, yeah. Being cringe. Like, who cares? If you're making oh money gosh. and you're getting that bag, who cares? Be cringe. Mm-hmm. I had someone share one of my reels to their story. And, I, you know, you can see, like, like story mentions. So, like, mm-hmm. I go through and, like, look at them. Someone shared one of my reels to their story. And they're, like, totally agree with what they're saying. However, this creator is just so cheesy and cringe. And I literally <laughs> was, like... like okay perfect you know I can see that but also like who cares like it's working for me you know yep if I if I'm being cringe and I'm um seeing the results then you can get lost yeah you know get lost yes yeah yeah you just can't take things to heart on social media like it's it's never that serious it's never (laughs) Yes. It's never that serious. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you about any like fun things that you have coming up in your business or anything that you wanted to share with the listeners. Yeah. So this conversation is just like a sneak peek. Um, I'm doing a masterclass on stepping into luxury, um, photography and what it looks like. And I'm going to give you all the steps to set you up for success. So by now, by the time this is probably edited and, um, put out, it will be on a replay that you can buy. So, um, check it out in my shop on my Instagram. Cool. What time, what day is it getting released? Yeah. May 31st. Oh, cool. uh, well, it's already released so you can buy it. You can pre buy the tickets. Um, but it's, it launched or it's like the, whenever the live is, is next Wednesday, May 31st. I think it's in March, but May. Okay. May 31st. Cool. And if anyone listening wants to like keep up with your luxurious weddings and all the fun things you're doing, where can they find and follow you? Yes. Um, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Pinterest, but mainly Instagram. Um, Madison Emily hair photo. Um, DM me. I'm, my DMs are always open to chat about whatever you're struggling with, whatever you need help with. I'm, I'm your girl. Cool. Awesome. Do you ever post TikToks? I know this is kind of random. Yeah, I do. I'm not as good as you. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Um, really, truly, I don't post like I should repurpose my content. I'm like Mm -hmm. getting into that. But okay. I I mean, I just thought I'd ask because your reels are really good. So I was like, maybe she's a TikTok queen, too. But, you know, Pinterest pops off, too. I'm sure you've noticed that. So, yeah. Do you like TikTok? For like your business? Yeah, I do. I do think for like- for me, it's more for funsies, but then I do get like business and customers from it. But like mm-hmm. it kind of is fun to be like where the origin of trends are, you know, which is usually on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of like a fun thing. And then I feel like my Instagram is where, you know, business happens. Like, <laughs> yeah, serious, yeah, you know, but TikTok, mm, 
Who knows yeah. what you're getting on TikTok? Yeah, <laughs> everything's out the window. Yes, literally. Okay. Well, it was so great chatting with you, Madison. Yes. Um, thanks again for coming on today's episode. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment uh, to keep my sanity and the wisdom rushing in. So much clearer Shadows is my composure. All the layers above, all the edits and tweaks, I know her. I am so done, need more time developing in my red room. It doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand, whatever the moment, wherever we stand, I'm taking. It doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand. Whatever the moment, wherever we stand, I'm taking you, taking you, taking you. Getting a little bit higher. With different step I think I'm getting good. Getting a little bit better. I'm climbing to the top. Never gonna stop. We're gonna stop finding good old shoes